Hello and welcome to the first Clockwork Aranya podcast episode of 2021. In today's episode we're going to be taking a look back at Frank de Boer's first games in charge of the Dutch and looking ahead to the next three games, uh, analysing the squad selection that we've got. By we, I mean myself, Finley Kroboda, the guy behind Clockwork Aranya, and uh, joining me is Dutch football journalist Peter McVitie. Um, well, first things first, Peter, how was, how's 2021 been for you so far over there in Holland? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Slow and quiet and just waiting for everything to lift off again. But uh, yeah, we're slowly getting there, so it's been okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think last time we spoke was back in like October. And I think back then if someone had told me we'd, you know, be full on COVID mode again in uh, <laughs> in late March, I might have cried. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Get him through it, yeah. get him through it. Um, also, you know, last time we spoke, of course, he, Frank de Boer, hadn't taken charge of his first matches for the Netherlands. So um, before we kind of go through the squad selection and look ahead to the next games, I figured we'd um, have a bit of a chat about how they went. So, um, yeah, what were your thoughts? I mean, obviously, it wasn't wasn't the best start. Lost to <laughs> Mexico and then drew uh, to Bosnia, Italy and Spain. And then... Won the won the last two. So, what did you think in general? Yeah, as you say, it's been a, a bit of a slow start. They were kind of sloppy in the in the first few games, really uninspired going forward as well uh, at times. But it hasn't all been terrible. To be fair, I think Italy and and Spain were always going to be kind of difficult games and they brightened up a wee bit against Italy compared to Mexico and Bosnia finally got the first goal and then against Spain it was a wee bit ropey at times as well but um, considering um, that we weren't so optimistic about Frank de Boer and actually his post Ajax career had been so devastating that um, it was either going to be kind of like this I think a wee bit uh, slow build up or it was going to be a catastrophe I knew uh, Danny Blind there or sort of thing so <laughs> uh, yeah um, the last two wins were I mean against Bosnia obviously which was it was bright and um, and nice I mean a 3-1 win was, was, was good but against Poland they kind of scared me quite a lot obviously a terrible start uh, and then those goals in the second half quite late as well um i mean memphis's was a penalty wasn't it and then yeah, it was yeah. a late one from finaldo yeah i mean they obviously a terrible start defensively and yeah they just looked like they, they were just chasing the game for a lot but they kind of struggled to take control of it and yeah that's been something that has been well kind of constant for the netherlands for a for a while under kuman he they did have like a bit more stability in the midfield and under the Boer, it's kind of it's a wee it's been a wee bit shaky at, at times. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not thinking that they are in crisis again, which is is good. So yeah, it's been a, a strange start, but um, I'm hoping that they can they can really get going before the for, in time for the Euros. Yeah, I think he. Um... Uh, well, I, I think the most important thing is that he kind of settles on a on a starting eleven in a formation before the Euros. But yeah, I don't think uh, you know. I think after the first um, two games against Mexico and Bosnia, 
I thought, Christ, this is going to be exactly as bad as we thought it would be. <laughs> um, I mean, they were just, they were kind of vintage to bore uh, yeah. a lot of possession and, and nothing else, really. But um, I don't know, since then I've been, I think of, of the whole kind of Dutch fan base, um, I, I think I'm probably one of the more optimistic ones, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if maybe I'm just convincing myself because I need Holland to be good so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think the, yeah, I think the Italy game was really, was probably his best game. I think it was interesting that he went for the the five at the back formation, um, but it worked really well. And I think we were unlucky not to win that, to be honest. And then, yeah, Bosnia was... I mean, I, I think that's probably about as good as it should be against a side like Bosnia. No offense to them. Um, and then, yeah, the Poland one was a weird one. It was kind of, it was a throwback to kind of classic Dutch football, and that we did look pretty good going forward. But you know, uh, the uh, on the flip side, our defense was pretty pretty non-existent for a lot of it. Yeah. So, you know, he is bringing back the Dutch Dutch traditions at least. Um, but yeah, I think all in all, it was. There were reasons to be optimistic, I think. And, you know, we didn't look perfect, but I think a lot of people forget as well that we didn't really look great in the last few games under Koeman either, did we? Yeah, for sure. It's, it is, again, kind of easy to just look, look at Koeman's time as being some sort of perfect revelation, but it was really just a, a rescue from this horrible depth that they had, that they had reached. And so there were, like, some kind of dodgy moments in, in some games but yeah yeah they had been they had some inconsistency I guess under Kuban but um yeah yeah I agree well I mean let's get into the squad selection for the next few games obviously we've got Turkey first up on Wednesday um and then Latvia and then Gibraltar so yeah first World Cup qualifiers um and I think it's fair to say that Depor um I think by the end of the last match, actually, after Poland, um, on the Clockworker on your Twitter account, I did after every one of his first games a, a poll, um, De Boer in and De Boer out. And <laughs> I think after it, it, its low point came after the Bosnia game, in which I'm pretty sure it was about 82% wanted him sacked. <laughs> wow. Um, the first Bosnia game, the nil-nil. Um, but by the, by the last game against Poland, it was pretty positive, actually. It was maybe... 67% or so wanted him to stay. Um, wow. But I think that goodwill has been largely largely diminished again by, I think, I don't know, maybe people have kind of forgotten about the last few games, but also the, the, this squad isn't hasn't been a particularly popular one. Um, before we get into the specifics of it, I just wanted to ask, obviously a lot of the young players um, have been chosen to go to the under-21 Euros instead. What do you make of that decision? Do you think it's a bit... Well, do you think it's a bit stupid considering we've got a tough, important game against Turkey? Or do you think it's kind of, you know, makes sense? I think it makes sense because, as you said, like, the Boer seems to have settled on, on a starting 11. And there are just, like, these three games and that that's really the only preparation for the Euros, isn't it? So I don't really, I don't really expect them to revolutionise the squad so much so I don't really think that many of those players who had been selected for the under-21s were really going to be in the squad either I mean I think you had like um, Jim Cope Miners was really going to be the only one I think that really would have had a chance of 
making the squad, maybe Sven Botman because he's been playing really well at Lille, and Justin Clivert maybe to an extent, but yeah, I, I wasn't really critical of that because it's just I expected the Boer to stick with a lot of what he's got, and he has got some pretty good players in, in the squad that he has selected, obviously like Gravin Bersch and, and Daniel Marlin and stuff, so and on Vindal, but yeah, I wasn't really surprised because of just yeah, his squad has been pretty similar quite a lot throughout these the last few games. So yeah, I think like you know, I think the two you pointed out there are probably uh, Coop Miners and Botman are the ones that you know I I think I was maybe surprised not to see them in the squad because I think mm-hmm. they could both kind of be an improvement on first team players. With I mean Botman only because Van Dyke's injured and De Vrij's got uh, tested positive for COVID. Yeah. I think we're probably going to get Blind at centre-back, which I love Daily Blind, but I think Botman would probably be a better option there. Um, and then, yeah, Coop Miners, I've, I, that was the disappointment for me, um, because I think I think he's a better option than De Bruyne for, mm-hmm. to play alongside um, Frankie de Jong, probably. And I mean, he's been unbelievably good in the area division this season, obviously. But I, yeah. I do understand it. I think. I mean, he's. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I assume he's going to be captain for the for the under 21s. Um, and yeah, I think it might be good for his development, you know, to kind of take a leading role at a major tournament, even if it is for the under 21s. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think yeah. Cold Miners, I think, would have been a good um, one for the starting eleven for these games, like just to. To give him a go, and uh, it would have been a good like um, test ahead of the Euros. But um, I wonder if Botman is being punished by the Boer for for leaving Ajax so early, because uh, <laughs> I don't really get why he has been so overlooked. Because he's been solid in Ligue 1. I mean, he's he is like a proper senior, trusted player there, just like uh, Colt Miners or Azed being, you know, the leader of this really promising and fun young team so it's uh un- uh, it, those two are kind of very underboer omissions considering he, he has been so prided himself so much on on loving young players and wanting to bring them through throughout his career yeah coop miners i mean he, he, he started against spain obviously um mm-hmm. i think yeah it was against spain and he was he was really good actually but i think maybe the issue you know de Boer, kind of sees him in, in in the same kind of role as Frankie de Jong um, and doesn't think they can play together. So, I mean, maybe that's it. But, yeah, either way, I don't think – I'm not too critical of it. I think it would have been fun, you know, to see Keep Miners in there. And I think Noah Lang, um, you know, he looked really excited. And, I mean, mm. having Ryan Barber in there ahead of him is not not the most encouraging thing. But – yeah, at the end, I don't think it's fair to attack De Boer too much for it. Um, well, on from the young to the to the very old, um, starting off with the goalkeepers, I think the, the the big headline in this is that Martin Stakelenberg's back in the squad. Too right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was really happy, to be honest. I was excited. <laughs> I've always, always loved Stakelenberg. And I even had the chance to watch too much Eric De Vizzi, as it's pretty hard to, to watch it over here in England. Um but I've watched a lot of Europa League and I've watched Eredivisie highlights and I've been pretty impressed with him. Um, I think it's I think he's Aaron Merritt, to be honest. Um, but I know a few few Ajax fans say that he's been a bit dodgy. Um, what have you made? Do you think he deserves to be back in the squad? Yeah, man. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, he's got 
Jasper Seelson and Tim Krul. Seelson's hardly played for uh, Valencia. Krul is playing in the championship and yeah, I reckon he'd be trusted. But yeah, I think Stecklenburg deserves to be there. He's, he's slotted in after Angelo Nana was suspended for failing a drugs test. And yeah, he's made some, he has got some sloppy moments, but I think every goalkeeper has that. But yeah, he's, he's a solid shortstopper, really. Um, he's obviously uh, a senior player. He's He is experienced and yeah, he knows what he's doing. So yeah, I think he was a... a they're on merit. I mean, I, I would even start them against, <laughs> against Turkey, to be honest with you, but I don't think it will. Yeah, I was going to ask that um, because I was thinking the same, to be honest. I think Seelison hasn't played much. Um, Tim Krull I'm a fan of, but I think the fact that he played, you know, in a team managed by the likes of Sam Allardyce in the early years <laughs> of his career does reflect in his, in his style of play. I mean, in terms of distribution, it's a lot of hoof, which is... Yeah. I don't know, maybe that's why Luke de Young's in the squad. Um, but uh, Stakenberg, I think, you know, he's he's played more than Silas, and I think playing for Ajax, he's definitely better on the ball than Krull. And I was reading some quotes, actually, from, from Rafa van der Vaart um, a few weeks ago about him, and he was saying that in terms of talent, Stakenberg is like, he's right up there with van der Sar. He just didn't kind of have that work ethic or that mentality as van der Sar. I think van der Vaart's exact words were, you know, he enjoys a beer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think I'd probably start him in the next few games, to be honest. Um, did get sent in a question. Um, I've got it on my notes. I unfortunately didn't write down who it was from, so apologies if this is your question. Um, uh, you know, they asked, you know, we've got the same three goalkeepers in the squad as we would have had a good, you know, seven, eight years ago. Is that is that a concern? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's one of those problems that Netherlands sort of goes through these phases of having no goalkeepers. <laughs> and it was a concern when Stecklenburg was falling out because Seelison has always been one that, um, yeah, I've always liked him, but he's been criticised quite a lot just because he has these kind of sloppy moments again he's he can be a bit dodgy but um yeah having just these same uh options there aren't really many there haven't been really any good ones coming through since Seelison I think uh Drommel is one who looks really bright he's been playing really well for FC20 there's talk about PSV signing him but he looks like he might be too expensive uh, I think he's the first one that's come out um, in the last few years and has looked has looked uh, bright and, and capable of having a, a pretty good career. But um, yeah, it's a it's a real concern for uh, for the future as well, obviously. Um, so yeah, but it's one of those things the Netherlands just has. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think Drummond is a standout. I think. Um... Justin Bilo at Feyenoord is yeah. is a good talent, but he hasn't played too much. He's been injured, and he's another one who's been included for the under twenty ones instead. But um, I don't know. I think it, it's definitely a problem. Obviously, since Euro twenty twelve, where Stakenberg was still the number one and pretty good, and then things kind of just fell apart for him. Um, I don't think he got much playing time. I think he went to Roma or something. And everything. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I remember Sillison starting at the 2014 World Cup, and 
I barely even had a clue who he was, you know. I think he'd actually only played about six matches for Holland at that point, but obviously that's that's Louis van Gaal. He likes to do stuff like that. Um, and since then, I mean, he's mainly been the number one. We had Euron Zoot come in a bit. Tim Cruz hung around still, uh, mainly as a backup. But yeah, I mean... It, yeah, it definitely is a concern that we don't have any young, young keepers coming through. But then I look at the three that we've got in this squad. And I don't know, I'm not too concerned by the ability, to be honest. No, no. I mean, they're all, they are all experienced at this point. So the main concern, as we say, is that uh, Stecklenburg is kind of old. But uh, it's not as if he's decrepit. And Sealison just hasn't been playing much. I think he's only played like four games in La Liga for Valencia this season. Um, and that's, but that's always been a concern. Even when he was, he was at Barcelona, that was always built up as being a, a big problem, but wasn't didn't really hinder him too much. So um, yeah, I'm, I still have trust in in those three. I mean, Kroll is a difficult one, as you say. His distribution is a problem and. He's just a, a weird option sometimes, but uh, yeah, he is still like a kind of underappreciated goalkeeper. Yeah, You've always yeah. got to have love for him for the uh, penalty gate with uh, Marcao. Yeah, so, it, it, it's funny. Two of the goalkeepers in this squad I absolutely love, and purely for nostalgic <laughs> reasons. You know, um, Stekelberg was obviously awesome in 2010. Um, I remember that save against Brazil for, against Kaka. Yeah, so good. Um, and then, yeah, Tim Krul 2014. So, you know, I say I'm, I'm fine with the goalkeepers in the squad, but that probably is largely because of, uh, you know, the 12-year-old inside me still. But, yeah. uh, well, yeah. that's, all, that's the whole uh, Dutch football experience. It's all about being nostalgic. If you're not nostalgic, then you're just going to be miserable, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, going on to, the, on to the back four, not too much nostalgia here, sadly. It's a fairly... Fairly young back four. Um, well, not back four, defensive selection. Um, I mean, yeah, I like I mentioned, Van Dijk's injured. It's looking less and less likely that he's going to be ready for the Euros, I think, which is obviously a shame, but I'm not too concerned because we do it with De Ligt and De Vrij. But uh, yeah, obviously De Vrij's not available for these games either because of uh, testing positive for COVID. So yeah, in terms of centre-backs, first off, it's... Probably going to be Delict and Blind starting, and then yeah, Veltman's looked decent at Brighton, and then um, yeah, we've got a, a first time in the squad for um, Saint Saint Eust, I think it is. Answer, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I've barely seen anything of him to be honest. I think he's decent on Football Manager, but that's as far as, <laughs> as what I've seen from him. Um, yeah, what do you think of the the centre back options? Yeah, I can imagine it will be Delift and, and Daily Blind. And yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Daily Blind. He has been playing really well at Ajax since he, he came back. But uh, yeah, I'd say, I mean, St. Just has been really good at um, Mines. He's been um, playing regularly for them. I think I'm actually surprised that it has been, it has taken him so long to get in. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd think they could probably give him a test and, and see him alongside um, alongside De Ligt, but I doubt that they will. Uh, Veltman, yeah, obviously he's been doing well at Brighton. I think he's usually played on the right side, though. 
for for Brighton, um, like right back and stuff, and which has been kind of regular for him since the last few years at Ajax as well. So yeah, it will be the left and daily blend. But uh, the good thing about that is that it means that blend won't be playing at left back. So uh, <laughs> there's a that's a positive there. But uh, yeah, it's a shame that both De and, and Van Dijk are out and. Yeah, I mean, you, you say you're not too worried. I am worried about not having Van Dijk. Uh, it will be his pre- his absence will be felt, I think, just because he is such a, a reliable, world class uh, defender and and a proper leader as well. So um, yeah, it's a it's a wee bit of a concern, but yeah, I I hope it just features at least because uh, I'm interested to see how he blends into the into that back line. Yeah, I think I think it'd definitely be worth giving him a shot against against like Gibraltar, for example. Yeah. I mean, maybe it won't be much of a defensive test, but it'd still be good to kind of see him alongside De Ligt, um, because I think as well, De Vrij is obviously a, a, a great defender. I think he's probably I think he's again been voted one of the best in Serie A this season, but um, he doesn't play in a back four. Obviously, he plays in the middle of a back three slash five. Um, and he also doesn't play on the left, which is where he would with Delict. So, yeah, I don't know if maybe that would be a bit dodgy. They obviously haven't played together much either. So, uh, yeah, I think it could be worth trying out a few options next to Delict. Um, you know, there is a part of me that thinks De Boer's going to head into the Euros with Blind and Delict as centre-backs because... I mean, he loves Ajax, obviously. <laughs> they uh, they played together for Ajax for a full season as the centre-back pairing. Um, but I hope not, because I personally like Blind, but I think if we, when we come up against a side with a big striker, they'll just target him, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be like the easy target for <laughs> for most teams, I think, in, in that respect. So, yeah, hopefully De, uh, De Vrij is... As back in time because yeah he's he's been quality uh, he's been really excellent so it would be nice to have a proper reliable figure to be beside Delict for sure yeah I think as well considering Delict is a bit he's still a bit prone to the occasional error I think um, yeah. he is a bit you know you do still see that inexperience coming through sometimes yeah. and that's um, when that's when Van Dyke's quality is there he's sort of disciplined he can rescue him quite a lot. Um, and yeah, I think he needs that against, especially against bigger teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we reckon probably Blindelic centre backs. Moving on to full backs. Um, starting on the right, I think one of the more exciting inclusions in this selection is um, Kenny Tete being back. Um, Absolutely. He's obviously be, he's been really good for Fulham this season in the Premier League. Um, and I think as well, he's. I mean, obviously we tried Hans Hatterbo and he. It just doesn't work in a back four, I don't think. Mm. Um, whereas Tete, you know, I think he he's good going forward. He's good defensively. I think, um, yeah, I think he's really exciting. And obviously he'll be up against Denzel Dumfries for that starting spot. Um, what do you reckon between those two? I, w- I think Dumfries will get the go-ahead because he has been there quite a bit. But yeah, I agree completely. I When I saw Kenny Tater in the squad, I was like, I really hope he starts. <laughs> um, and again, like this is part of the... Uh, you could really completely change... Well, apart from the left, completely change the, 
the back four um, and still have like confidence in uh, yeah. in it. Yeah. And yeah, Kennedy would be one that would be the one that I would I would pick because yeah, for the reasons that you said, he's been looking really sharp. He's getting a lot of praise for what he's been doing at, at Fulham. He looks like a kind of complete, uh, well, not complete, but um, yeah, he was always brilliant at Ajax. He looked wonderful at times and then sort of fell out um, and then had a rough time. But I'm really happy to see him establish himself again. And um, yeah, I would. he would be the one that I would go for. I just think he gives that sort of defensive... Um, Solidity, sort of. He has he has a, a quality defensive minded right back, but he does offer a lot uh, of support going forward as well. So he's a sensible defender and um, definitely worthy of of playing for this team for sure. Yeah, I'd start as well. I think. Um, I mean, you know, there are reasons I'd like Dumfries to start, but they're not particularly football related. You know, I just like him because he's pretty scary. You know, I reckon. <laughs> I reckon if we get into a bit of a scrap against Turkey, I think he'd be good to have there. <laughs> um, and he's he, he's also really, obviously, good in the air and good physically. So, handy from set pieces, I think, defensively. Yeah. If it um, wasn't for... If Scotland weren't in the Euros, and I would have said Dumfries, because it would be nice to get some Scottish representation <laughs> in there, obviously, with that name. But uh, we're already there, so I, I don't need to slump that low. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, one thing I was disappointed about, uh, and I mean, a lot of people were, um, to be fair, you know, when you've got Tete playing this well as well, I think it's kind of understandable, but uh, Rick Karsdorp wasn't wasn't in the squad after, he's been, he's had a great season for Roma, actually, I've got a friend who supports Roma and he's been, you know, so impressed by him, Um, he's even played, which I never thought would happen, he's played as, as, like, as a, as a centre-back in a back three and looked decent defensively, which was obviously always the concern for him. So, yeah, I think that's a bit disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Carl's Dock, when he was at final, he was magnificent. I just, I loved the guy. I thought he was wonderful. And I was so devastated when he just, he went to Roma and was just broken immediately. And then he came back and was broken immediately once again. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy is going to fade into obscurity. But it says a lot that he has really bounced back and got himself in shape and enough that they've even tied him to a new contract and, and see him as being uh, a key player for, for, the, for the future as well. So, yeah, I think he deserves some recognition for that. And, um, yeah, that was quite a... Quite a surprise from De Boer. I hope that it doesn't mean that he's just he's ruled out completely. Um, it's hard to say, but yeah, he's. I um, I loved him. At, as I say, I loved him at final because he he had everything. He he did look like being capable of being a, a complete uh, fullback. He was a, a just bombastic going forward, but he was quick enough and sharp enough to to be strong defensively would always get back he's a muscly guy as well just has this sort of raw or arrogance sort of uh, an era of an aura of that which uh, i think actually does add a lot to him he has this just pure confidence that you can you can trust him really and he has everything to back it up so i'm i'm just really happy to see him shining again uh, first of all, but yeah, I hope that he he can fight his way back, and I hope the Boer is 
open-minded enough to to give him a chance yeah definitely yeah I think uh it's strange that's been a weaker position for us for a long time really um I mean even this time last year we had Dumfries and Hartabaugh fighting it out for it and and even Veltman was playing there a bit um and then last year Tete and Karsdorp have just you know got so much better again that um it's getting to a point now where I you know we could see Dumfries even dropping out maybe mm-hmm. at some point but um yeah I don't know I think it's definitely a shame that Karsdorp's not been included but Tete has at least so I, I'm not too unhappy um <laughs> You know, Tete's obviously an Ajax man, caused up Feyenoord. So again, who knows? Could be yeah, a boys bias coming through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, that was like a. I mean, it's been uh, raised at times in in this squad, um, but um, like uh, it reminds me of when uh, Van Dyke couldn't get into the squad, and they were uh, Van Gaal was like picking uh, Vel- um, yeah, Veltman, even though he'd hardly played the Ajax and stuff, and it was just this kind of. Wait, is this all to do with the Ajax thing, or is uh, what's going on? It's like a constant problem with some coaches around the Netherlands. Yeah, it's definitely not the first time we've heard it. Um, yeah, I guess it's too soon to make any judgments, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I guess. Um, going on to left back, obviously, you know, we've already mentioned the good news. Daily Blind probably won't be playing there. <laughs> it looks like Owen Vinder is going to be playing there again, which. Uh, yeah, that's maybe the, the the best thing about De Boer's time in charge so far is that it looks like Vindel's kind of become his first choice centre uh, left back. Yeah, I mean it's probably good. Well, it's either between him and and Van Anholt, and yeah, I'm really happy. I would really love to see Vindel trusted there. Uh, I really like him. As Ed, he's uh, hoping to make a transfer this summer. I think he's just a, a quality young left back. He offers a lot going forward. For one thing, he's part of this really interesting and exciting uh, AZ team and uh, it would be uh, a good display of trust in, in young players to see him given that chance at left back. I think he I think he deserves it. I think he's the one that I would I would go for for sure. Yeah, yeah, me too. He was um I think it was I mean Spain he started his first match maybe or one of his first matches and he was really good, um, really impressive. I mean, AZ this season, he's been great. I, I watched a match a few weeks ago and he played this unbelievable kind of cross-field pass for, for Boadu to put him through on goal. And, oh, uh, yeah, that was awesome. Was that, that was against final, wasn't it? Yeah, final. yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's really good on the ball, I think. He's yeah got an eye for a pass. He's quick. Um, I think I do remember uh, when he played in the last few games for Holland, his crossing wasn't great um but you know I, I think that he could have just been having a bad few games because for AZ it's been pretty good so yeah yeah no I think he's definitely definitely deserves to start there and I mean I don't know I think if we assume the back four is probably going to be Dumfries, Delict, Blind, Vindel then I don't know I think maybe the only concern I have against Turkey would be that left side is maybe a bit dodgy defensively but I don't know. I think. I mean, against Latvia and Gibraltar, I think that's a pretty, pretty good back four, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, as you say, like if your left back is exposed, the last thing you want is for the last uh, barrier to be daily blind. I mean, it's, it's uh, a horror show right there. So yeah, yeah, I'm, that's a bit of a problem, Which is why you want like a proper 
trustable, uh, reliable uh, centre back there beside Delicht. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough one. But yeah, I think I, Turkey are a strange team at the moment. So I think they I think they can do all right uh, against them if uh, if they're smart with it <laughs> defensively. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the only concern I have. But um, no, generally, I'd like to see Tete start ahead of Dumfries, but um, I don't think that's going to happen really. Um, moving on to the midfield, I think first thing to talk about here is the fact that Ryan Gravenberg has been um, included, which I personally found really interesting because obviously De Boer's let a lot of the players go to the under twenty ones, which. I don't know. For me, that suggests that the Gravenberg's a pretty, pretty big part of his plans. Yeah, I think he he deserves it. Really, uh, he's been excellent for Ajax at times. Uh, he is still young, obviously. He's just a baby, really. Uh, so he's got some uh, experience uh, ahead of him that he's he's lacking at the moment. But um, yeah, I think uh, the midfield is a difficult one for for the Boer. I mean, he's obviously kind of stuck by with De Jong, Van Aldum, and it's probably going to be Klassen, I think. But I would swap out Klassen and, and give someone else a go. And I think uh, Kravenberg is, um, yeah, I think he's he's deserved it. I think he is, um, he's, going to, he's just going to keep developing into a quality player, I think. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that he's, He's there, and uh, I'm hoping that he he gets a chance. Yeah, watching Ajax matches, I mean, he's been awesome in the Europa League for the last few games. Um, you know, he ran the show, really. But um, I think there are a lot of similarities to when to when Frankie was there, mm. um, especially you know when they, in his last season when he took him to the Champions League final. Um, and Kravenberg, he, he he has said how he's. You know, he's taken a lot of influence from Frankie and, you know, based a lot of his game off him, which kind of begs the question, do you think they could play together in a, in a, in a decent midfield for Holland? Yeah, I, th- I think so. If, I mean, if the Boer gives them the right sort of <laughs> instructions, I don't think they are really going to cancel each other out. I think you can balance them a bit. Um, it's a difficult one because they are kind of similar but yeah I, th- I think he can give it a go at least again I don't know how much he's willing to experiment in these three games ahead of the of the Euros but I don't think they're going to be under a great deal of pressure uh, in that area that is it's going to overwhelm them and I think De Jong is so well-rounded and uh, and just such a quality midfielder that I think he can he can um protect Kravenberch a bit. As I say, with David Klassen, he's been fantastic for Ajax, but for the national team, I just, I don't see him as be, ever being, you know, a, a, a pivotal player. And so I think they do have room to sort of mess about a bit. And uh, yeah, I think Kravenberch and De Jong are sort of rounded enough that you can make sure that you still have that sort of defensive cover and keep rolling, keep uh, running the midfield properly with, with them both. But it's, uh, it's easy for me to say, not being the one who's, who's picking it, but I think that midfield is always just, a, they're always like one or two 
um, well, one option there who's always just not really um, indispensable. Yeah, yeah, I think Klassen, he's been great for Ajax, but I, I, yeah, I think he's great as a number 10, you know, kind of moving into the box. Um, but, yeah, he gets a lot of goals, obviously. But uh, De Boer's been playing him in that in that role that, that, that Martin De Roon had alongside De Jong, which is pretty much the defensive midfielder while De Jong kind of, you know, glides about doing his thing. Um, yeah. And I don't really, yeah, I don't think Klassen is great in that role, to be honest. And then De Roon, on the other hand, who seems to be the other option for that position is just, he's not very good on the ball, I don't think. You know, I mean, against Gibraltar, for example, I think it'd be madness to start him. Um, yeah. Yeah, against like a Gibraltar, you may as well just be a bit cocky, I think. And I, even against Latvia as well, I'd say. Yeah, um, yeah. Just be, uh, yeah, you can sort of push them up to, to dominate in the in the opposition's half. Uh, Drone at least sort of actually has a specific role and is a specific character. Um, so he that he would be there just to be like that anchor. Uh, sort of, but as, as I say, I think De Jong has developed quite well um, and has that defensive um, experience, and so I, yeah, I think you can sort of rely on him to show things up in the absence of of a defensive, actual, an actually defensive player like like their own. But yeah, as I say, Klassen is is the one that I'm always kind of skeptical about. It's just always been there. As I say, he's better. Playing further ahead, playing off of other players, making sort of quick and unseen runs into the goal, into the box, and either scoring or knocking it to someone else. I mean, his finest time at Ajax towards the end was when he was, it was just him and Arcadius Milik, and he would just be drifting everywhere just to set up Milik or pounce on something. And he's been doing really well at Ajax, but uh, yeah, he's like, it was the same with. Um, CM Dion and Klassen and Donny van der Beek where with the national team it's just difficult to see them they are that, that type of player where it's just difficult to see them really um, taking on a, 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 a key role in the, in the starting 11 it's, they just are those ambiguous types that at international level you just don't really get the, the time and the chance to really try them out and get them going with, with the players around them. Yeah, I, I think with Klassen and, and Van der Beek, the issue is that their best position, um, number 10, kind of drifting into the box, is 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 the role that Wijnaldum's got nailed down for us. And there's no reason to drop him, really, because yeah. he he gets a lot of goals in that role. He's, um, he's probably, well, he's our captain at the moment with Van Dijk out, so... I don't think there's any kind of question about moving him out of that position. So that kind of resigns Donny van der Beek to the bench, which he's become all too familiar with in the last <laughs> in the last season. Um, yeah, actually, just taking a look at him, should he still be in the squad, do you think? I mean, he, obviously, he's not been playing at all. Mm, yeah, I, I wouldn't start him... Um, yeah, I can understand why you would really just prefer to leave him out. He, he's just one of those odd sort of selections that you you can only really see him starting if there's a bit of a catastrophe with other uh, other selections. So 
Yeah, I don't think uh, the Boer should really be uh, trusting him, but I think, I mean, again, the Ajax thing and the fact that he's playing for Manchester United um, probably gives him enough um, credibility that the Boer probably feels uh, secure in, in, in bringing him in. But yeah, I just don't see really what he what he adds to it. I don't really understand. I don't see what you would expect to, for him. He's not going to change any games. It's hard to say that he's really going to have much of an influence anyway. So, yeah, I think he's a, a bit of a, a luxury selection in some respect. I mean, I mean every, t- every time you see the difficulty of really making up a, a quality midfield for the Netherlands, you, you just have to scream at the Karan Vebe for letting Hakim Ziyech leave to yeah. Morocco. I mean, just overlooking him. If you if you wanted to really change that midfield and have a proper uh, creative number 10, uh, a proper playmaker, I mean, he's the, just the absolute best and would be the one thing that you would be looking for, especially with that, uh, that uh, front three. So they don't really have anybody to offer that um, those amazing passes and just completely unlock a defence uh, in that same way for, uh, as yeah, and that, I think that's the one thing that this the midfield is missing is just a player who can come on and really who can slot in and, and really change something and offer something that no one else does and Van de Beek has really nothing unique about him in, in this in this squad. No, isn't it unfair that we had Wesley Schneider and Rafa van der Vaart at the same time? And now, <laughs> now we're crying out for that kind of advanced playmaker because, yeah, like you said, in terms of creativity in the midfield, we've got um, Frankie de Jong, but he, he's he been a bit deeper. And then that's about it. You know, Van Adam's great, but he's more of a, a runner. You know, I don't think he's got... And, you know, I don't think he's got amazing vision or an eye for a pass, really. Um, yeah. I'd kill for Schneider or Van der Vaart now, you know. <laughs> and that's that's why I'm kind of excited about Havenberts, because he he doesn't have that same creativity, but he does make some really good passes. He's He's got this energy. He's such an exciting player, and um, it might leave you vulnerable in, in some respects. But, uh, yeah, I think that he at least would add something if you can if you can uh, put them in the right place so yeah. yeah exactly it's 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 a strange setup but I mean if you've got Wijnaldum and De Jong there you I mean it's it's a fantastic duo and uh, you yeah you, you just wish you had something to complete the set <laughs> we went years with Kevin Strootman being our lone holding midfielder so yeah. why not give this a go um but yeah I, I think it's probably Going to be four four two three one. I guess it's going to be De Jong and Klaas in the holding mid, isn't it? With Van Adam is the, is the number ten probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But you know, it's it's not awful, and maybe Klaassen will be a bit better after a few games under his belt. Um, uh, onto the forward line. This is this is the part where the explicit tag has to be added to this episode. <laughs> um. Well, we start off with with the wide players, actually. You know, just to just to uh, ease into it. Um, yeah, you really you really don't want to get to that bit, do you? You you just you just <laughs> want to keep delaying this this yeah. meltdown. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, Christ, even the wide players, you've got Ryan Barbel in there, so that's. Oi, oi, oi. 
I mean, I'll start off with the question for you. What what has to happen for Ryan Barber to be dropped from this selection? Oh, I I can't work it out. I have no idea. Again, he he must have something on these managers because it's it just defies logic. I understood when he first got this um, return to the to the team. He looked he was like quality in some games, and um, was was uh, yeah looking really capable and and added something, but. Lately, it just hasn't been the case, and especially just this season, he's really he's hardly played uh, lately for um, for Halifax. Like, well, he's played, but he hasn't started many games. I think he's only started. I think it was ten games in the league. You don't pick someone like him, and the painful thing, as you say, is that there's actually a good chance that he's going to be he's going to be playing. Uh, it's not like some luxury young player who you can just be like yeah we'll give him we'll bring him in and put him on and see how he goes I mean there is a good chance that he's going to be brought on in fact that he is so sure of it at the moment uh, suggests to me that he actually might be included in the squad for the Euros which is terrifying no matter how how many games he plays between now and then so I can't work it out I don't, I don't know why they, they trust him so much I, don't, I just don't get it if he was unbelievable when he put on a when he put on a, a Holland shirt, you know, like he turned into bloody Mbappe, was getting <laughs> getting getting three goals a game or something, I'd be like, all right, fair enough, he he does the job for us. There's no reason to drop him, but he doesn't. I mean, and then the other justification is like, oh well, you know, he's a he's a big part of the of kind of the team in the dressing room. He's a big dressing room figure, but I mean, he doesn't really strike me as a leader of men, to be honest. Uh, yeah, uh, I just. It's really baffling. It really, I mean, but again, it's not something you can just kind of criticise De Boer for because he was, he had a big role uh, under Ronald Koeman, didn't he? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. He's just you're like, wow, why? Well, what, what doesn't yeah. make any sense now? I mean, if you're, if you're a defender for the opposition, right, and you look over to the sideline, you see, you see the fourth official holding up the board, you know, number, I don't know what number he is. You see Ryan Barbell coming on. I don't think it's gonna gonna strike fear into you. Really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Unless yeah. it's just like, oh, what if he's actually he's just keeps getting better with age and he's going to humiliate me in some way, or I'm going to make a terrible <laughs> mistake. But yeah, he's just he just doesn't have it. I mean, I just and as you say, for uh, as well being a leader in the dressing room, I just I find it hard to believe in that. That if that's the case, then it it does sort of show the uh, the actual lack of leaders that they, they that they have and that's the worrying thing is that Babel is the is the leader of the team and is a, is such a positive influence but so yeah, maybe it's yeah. a calming influence but I can't I can't imagine he's like a such a a necessity. No, you'd imagine not, but I mean well, there's gotta be something I guess. Um it, he probably won't start though, um on the left. I mean yeah, this is it. Becomes a bit. I think on the right wing, it's a bit, a bit more kind of clear cut. You've got Stengs and Berghaus, and one of them will play. Whereas yeah. on the left, you've got Daniel Malin. Obviously, he's again. You could consider him a striker, but he can play there. Uh, Memphis can play there. Bergvine's back in the squad. Um, who do you see? I mean, personally, I'd like to see Malin on the left. I think with Memphis up front. Yeah, who who do you see kind of getting this position? 
Yeah, I'm the same as you. I'd say uh, Marlon. He usually plays uh, and like a, as a striker alongside Zahavi at PSV, but he's played on the left at times uh, and for the Netherlands. So, yeah, he's the one. Uh, I mean, you want the pie up front for obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it would be it would definitely be Marlon for me for sure. I mean, Bergwijn quality player, but just hasn't really played much specific uh, in particular lately for. For Tottenham, so Marlon is looking excellent for PSV, um, really growing into his own, starting to look like, well, he's, he has been impressive for, for a long time at PSV, but um, starting to look like he's just about ready to, to move on. And so, yeah, definitely worthy of a place in the, in the starting 11 for the Netherlands. Yeah, I think, yeah, Marlon on the left for me... Um... Yeah, Memphis up front. And then on the right, I think I, I really like Steven Berghaus. Um, yeah. You know, maybe factor is I, you know, I kind of support Feyenoord because my, my Dutch family do. So I watch a lot of them and I see a lot of him. But Oh, so now the De Boer criticism makes sense. <laughs> ah, right. It's this. I'm dealing with two sides here. I've got the uh, De Boer Ajax yeah. bias and now you're Feyenoord bias. Yeah, I'm starting to come through. Yeah, yeah, that, that's why I want Karlsdorp back in the squad, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think he's, well, he's been one of the players of the season in the Eredivisie this year. Um, and he's left-footed, which I think is ideal for us, so he can kind of cut inside and make space for the for the right back. Um, I mean, it's either him or Stengs, obviously. And I think this season, yeah, Stengs has had good good periods, but he hasn't been you know on form kind of week in week out has he no you're absolutely right um he he's a quality player i mean the good thing about this is i don't think you can actually go wrong you can always trust in things he has just so much to him i i i have a bit of a soft spot for him and really for basically everybody in that az team but berghaus has been run away he's just been brilliant the good thing i mean We've got Marlon on the left who has 15 goals in the Eredivisie. You'd have Berghaus on the right, and he's got this. He's also the joint top, joint second top scorer with 15 goals. But he has a lot of assists. He's just been the star of the show at Feyenoord and been the real leader there for for a, for a long time. And yeah, he he's he deserves it. He deserves to be trusted with that uh, with a, a start. And um, I don't think you can really. Um, overlook him. Uh, Stengs is just a as a as obviously a brilliant player, but yeah, he hasn't been as decisive and as consistent. And um, Berghaus is one that you can just trust. And I think it would be criminal really to <laughs> to leave him out. Um, so yeah, that would be the the ideal wing um, set up there. And I think I like the balance of it. I like that you you would it would deprive the Boer of the his devotion to width and his his strange fetish for crossing all the time. Uh, as you say, like Berghaus cutting in and blasting like uh, like some uh, well, I mean second rate Aryan Robin in some <laughs> sense, but I mean that's that's not really a criticism of Berghaus. Yeah. Uh, Aryan Robin is just the the best that's ever been. But yeah, you want that that extra threat through the centre, and he would definitely offer it. And then with Marlon on the left, he would be aching to to come inside a lot and they would both offer Memphis a lot of support the thing about with Memphis up front is that he 
has matured so much uh, just in, in his conduct on the field, but also like on the ball. He's he's so much sharper. He's so much um, more calm and and not as um, devoted to just being the one who who makes a difference and the one who 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 hits the the shot from whether it's five yards or, or thirty five yards. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he he's capable of of mixing in with other players. He will set them up. He will he will play off them. So yeah, you want that unpredictability um, around them. And I think yeah, that would be a fantastic uh, trio to really get going together in time for the for the Euros because they could be they could be pretty sharp together. I think. Yeah, I mean, on that Memphis note, no, um, I got a question on Twitter from from Matt Cahill. Uh, he said, a question I come back to with this kind of De Boer side is the, um, on on paper, we've got pretty good firepower up front. Um, yeah, if you look at like front three of Marlon Burkhouse, Memphis, that's a lot of goals and assists there. But um, do all the parts work together? Um, and I think that does depend on, on Memphis, really, doesn't it? He does really kind of bring bring the, the, the attacking nature of the side together um, up front. Yeah, for sure. He's 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 just quality, I think. I mean, he's been shining for Leon. Uh, a lot of the goals I think he's scored this season have been penalties. But, um, yeah, he's he's got he's really grown up and, and looking really sharp. And he's just been the star for, for a while. Yeah, uh, I think it says it all, really, that when Van Dijk was out, and we needed a new captain. My first thought was Memphis, to be honest. Um, I've got no issues with Wijnaldum getting it. I think that's a good choice. But he has really become a leader on the pitch and off the pitch, really. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and there was a time you would never have considered that. There was a time just a few yeah. years ago that would have just been... You wouldn't even think that he's one for the future. Like, he's a future leader. But he he's really... I mean, I'm, I'm really... I was always... I probably overrated him a wee bit when he was at PSV. I don't know. I don't really think so. Uh, but, um, yeah, even the way that he's recovered from these difficult spells that he's had since leaving PSV, um, even I'm kind of surprised about the fact that he's been able to really pull it off without uh, and actually win over the, the people that he needs to, like like uh, Netherlands managers, for example, who aren't always so forgiven. So, yeah, absolutely. It's it's says a lot about him. I think that he's he's forced himself into this into this sort of role and, and looks so crucial. Yeah, yeah. Um well we would have even more firepower up front <laughs> if uh if if Val Veghorst was in the squad. Let's uh, get onto that now. The the last thing to mention and uh the I think honestly this alone kind of made De Boer's squad selection pretty unpopular with fans if you look yep. at replies to like the official announcement it was you know lots of hate towards De Boer and I feel like if if Veghorst was in the squad that wouldn't have happened um but for some bizarre reason I mean Luke De Jong he, he's not even from Ajax man I mean <laughs> yeah he, but his brother is so. <laughs> it's like when you're in a club when you're trying to get into a club and you don't think you're going to get past the the uh the bouncer but there's like he thinks that you're with like the good looking girl ahead of you and he's like yeah yeah on you go and you're like oh hell yeah it's, it's yeah i mean that's got to be the only explanation because if you look at if you look at the stats this season i mean i saw it the other day uh veghorst is this year calendar year i mean 
there are very few players who have kind of been involved in more goals than him in terms of goals and assists. I think there's five and two of them are Messi and Ronaldo. He's playing in one of the top leagues in Europe. I think I think in the Bundesliga, in terms of strikers that have got more goals from him, I think Lewandowski and Haaland, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty good company to be in. Um, and, you know, if you look at out-and-out strikers that we've had, Really, he's the first that we've had since, since um, well, Van Persie and Hinterlaar that's really impressed outside of outside of Holland in the Eredivisie. And, I mean, what does he have to do to get into the squad? Well, I have no... I, I don't know. Maybe he's just too effective. Um, I mean, yeah, as you say, he's been, he's been stunning. He's basically firing Wolfsburg to the Champions League at the moment. Uh, he outshines... Look, De Jong, in every respect, there isn't really... I don't think there's anything that De Jong offers that Wout Verhorst doesn't have. And yet Wout Verhorst obviously offers more in terms of just goals. And it's not even just this season. It's like he's been doing he's been doing well for a few years at Wolfsburg. And even last season, he was outperforming Luke De Jong. And it's just... It's staggering. I mean, he's just so dramatically, so drastically, like, underrated or hated. I don't know what it is. I mean, he hasn't played for the Netherlands since, like, November 2019, uh, which was just, like, a brief appearance against Estonia. De Jong isn't playing well for, for Sevilla. He has scored nine goals in La Liga, which is, well, Verkhorst has scored 17 in the Bundesliga. Um, even again, as I say, last season he uh, was better than than De Jong. Even for the national team, De Jong hasn't been playing that well. Um, he hasn't been decisive. Um, the one impressive thing about De Jong is that is his aerial ability. Like he's just such a prolific uh, header of it. He has been since for for a long, long time. He's just been just really good in the air, but. Fechost has that as well. He, he there is nothing that he he that he can't do that De Jong can do better. Fechost, he's like bloody six foot six. I think yeah. if De Bruyne wants want someone to lump it up to, he doesn't need any concerns there. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, like De Jong has been he's been playing a lot for Holland as well. You know, so you can look at like oh he hasn't scored that many goals for the national team, but maybe it's because he hasn't played much. But that's not true. I mean. And he, I don't think he's scored in his last eight for Holland. Yeah, he's wasteful. I mean, I mean, like against Italy, for example, he was lively. He was getting on the ball a lot. I think he had about five shots, but like one of them was on target. Wasn't much of a threat. Um, it's not he. Uh, the he's a good player because he isn't just a an out and out striker. He does move around a lot and bring others into play, but. Not to the extent that he makes like a huge difference and and opens up a lot of, a lot of opportunities for for other players. So there's it's not like he's just some wonder kid. It's it's perplexing, really. And I think as well, you know, you know, not just focusing on these two, looking at the squad as a whole. Um, these are, I mean, maybe some friendies will be arranged ahead of the Euros, depending on COVID, but. As it stands, these are the last matches before the Euros. So I think it stands to reason to think that this squad isn't going to change a massive amount now, is it? No, I think he's he's kind of settled. I don't think I don't think much of the actual team selection will change much either. Yeah, I think he's kind of 
settled on his on his team, and maybe that's the the deal with the Verkhorst and De Jong thing is that he's just too lazy to really consider <laughs> uh, alternatives, which actually wouldn't really surprise me about the boot. He is kind of, he is limited in in so, in so many ways, but um, yeah, I think it's probably going to be probably going to look a lot like this, apart from just a few injuries or. You know, you get to Vry back and maybe Van Dijk, hopefully, and praying for it. But, yeah, again, I mean, like we said, the fact that uh, Coke Miners and, and Botman have been allowed to go to the under-21 suggests that he, he isn't really going to mess about too much. Yeah, no, I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if this squad is... I mean, we'd have to get rid of one because this is a 24-man squad and it's 23 for the Euros. Um, maybe Luke de Young. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. If we have to get rid of one, I'd say that the twenty-three, this twenty-three man squad is going to be the one for the Euros. To be honest. Um, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'll end with asking you for some some predictions. I, I won't make you do specific score lines, but uh, what do you think in terms of result from the next three games? Um, um, I'm tempted to go with three wins. I think uh, they should. I mean, they've got to beat Latvia and Gibraltar. I think Turkey have been a wee bit ropey uh, lately uh, in the last, like, well, the most recent games under under Funes. Their attack isn't really isn't really that good. I think they'll probably go with Burak Yilmaz up front. He's been the best of the bunch. Uh, he's been playing well for Leo, but everybody else has been a bit meh, a bit. Uh, Quiet, even uh, Cenk Torsson at Besiktas hasn't really lit up uh, the Super League. So, and then there's Karaman, at, but he's at Fortuna Dusseldorf in the second tier, but he gets trusted quite a lot. So, they are the big threats. Obviously, they've upset the Netherlands before, worthy of of getting something from it. But uh, yeah, I think the Netherlands can probably get the better of them if they're if they're in shape properly. And yeah. I'd, I think they can get three wins. Yeah, I um, yeah, I think Turkey, yeah, like you said, they're definitely the biggest threat. Um, I think they gave France a pretty good run for their money in the qualifiers for yeah, the Euros. Twice, twice, twice in the last yeah. year or so. Obviously, we don't have particularly good memories from from 2016 Euros qualifiers, but the less said about that, the better. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I maybe it's because of that that I do have this kind of unreasonable concern for playing Turkey because I look at their squad and yeah there's not too much to be worried about but yeah I'll go with three wins as well I think Um, I mean if we don't win against Gibraltar or Latvia then there's something very very wrong ahead of the year (laughs) yeah Yeah, then that uh, debut uh, poll that you're on will be 100% I'll be making like new accounts just to (laughs) (laughs) bust the numbers (laughs) <laughs> uh, if we lose to Gibraltar then uh, I think Dick Advocat will be coming back in for the Euros <laughs> yeah yeah well to be fair I mean they, they probably couldn't get much worse so yeah well anyway. <laughs> well yeah it's good fun Thank, thanks for coming on yeah it's good fun man it's always nice to nice to come on nice to talk to you it's, uh, it's a good uh, depressing at the end with the old De Jong uh, thing but yeah it's, uh, it's always fun it's nice yeah. to be on thanks for having yeah, no worries, and um, uh, hopefully we'll be doing a few more episodes before the Euros. Yeah, um, thanks to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed it, then maybe leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Is it actually even iPhone? So I wouldn't be able to see them, but apparently it helps <laughs> Apple Podcasts. So you know, 
go for it and um you can find us on twitter uh, at clockwork around you and um yeah we have facebook but i never use that so you don't need to bother there so yeah thanks for listening and we'll see you soon